and welcome to The Daniel Dome with me, Esther Sears. And me, Gareth Gwynn. This is the podcast for people born between 1977 and 1985, or, to put it another way, those who grew up inside the pincer movement of BSE and Foot and Mouth. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say then, but yeah. It was because you were on a Kiri Pritchard McLean's BBC Radio Wales show. I was, yeah. And Kiri uses that as an example. <laughs> so thank you to Kiri for that. What a brilliant example. I know. I know. It feels niche, but it, it wasn't because at the time, like, because it, it's a very agriculturally based anecdote. It is. BSC in foot and mouth. But it was widespread. Like, everyone was talking about it. The, what I realised after Kiri said it is that for BSE, I was living in a town. <laughs> and for. Foot and mouth, I was living in the countryside. So I feel like I saw both from like different angles. So BSE, I remember suddenly no beef in school, yeah, yeah. no beef at home. A lot a lot of chicken burgers <laughs> is my memory of like 90, I'm going to say 94, 95, oh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. A lot of big chicken burger time. Yeah. By foot and mouth, I was living in the countryside and I associate my A-levels with the smell of disinfectant. Oh, God. Because the locals yeah. dumped a huge <laughs> amount of disinfectant, sodden hay. Yes. If you were driving into the countryside... Yeah. Outside our house. You would have to drive over... Yeah. Or, like, fabric or pads. Is it flammable? It feels like it Oh, I don't flammable. know. I should know, because I was revising for chemistry A-level at the time. <laughs> but that is the weird thing, is the chemistry in my head now smells of... Oh, wow. Uh, disinfected hay. I love how you moved to the countryside by then, because you're, you're like an agricultural storm chaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Next time something big like this happens, I'm going to be there in the yeah. eye of it. Let us know whether you ate beef or didn't eat beef in the 90s by emailing zenialdome at hotmail.com. <laughs> and we've got a great episode today. Uh, we are joined by Henry Widdicombe, stand-up comedian and the brains behind McHenkleth Comedy Festival. Yeah, what a brain. <laughs> what a brain. And, and Aberystwyth Comedy Festival and all sorts of other things. His choice for the dome is gold-plated. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but Oh, and just a little thing. He's the brother of Josh Widdicombe uh, because he just throws in the name Josh and you might be going, is it his? Let's yeah. clear this up now. Brother of Josh Widdicombe. Yeah. So please enjoy Machantleth Comedy Festival and 1979's Henry Widdicombe. Until this podcast came out, I had no idea what a Xenial was. Yes. When I was on Swansea Student Radio for a very short-lived stint, and we had to come up with a catchphrase for the um, for the radio station, I think it was called Radio X, and I would put Generation X for the forgotten generation or something. It was something really bleak. I think it was a Mannix lyric, and it was really bleak, and they all just looked at me like, that's not the vibe of the station we're going for. It's like, yeah. So I thought I was a Gen X. That's a real Gen X vibe, though. Just like this moody, downtrodden. That's that's how I think of Gen Xs. And they invariably have beards, and I don't know why that is. It was definitely the vibe I was going for, but the people that turn up to do student radio, that's not their vibe. (laughs) Okay, let's ask questions to see how much of a Xennial you really are. If, um, if at all, at this stage. I've got older brothers and sisters, so I reckon they probably dragged me further into X. Oh, but interesting. Let's see what 
I mean, I I am a Xennial. I'm 1979. Yeah, this is the thing. You can't you can't argue with the years, but it's whether you're a Xennial at heart. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> Okay, this feels like at least something that will place you somewhere in the, on the map. Which kids' TV show did you want to be on? Oh, Nightmare, every t- every day of the week, without question. Yeah, I was a fan of Nightmare. Okay, hang on, no, whoa, what the heck is Nightmare? Oh, oh come on, did you not have one... it in Wales? We definitely had it in Wales, because I, <laughs> I, re- I, I vividly remember, for some reason, watching it while waiting to get my hair cut in Hairport in Neath. It seemed to always be the thing that was on. What? I love that. So, see if you know this, Eset. Sidestep left, Eset. Sidestep left. Oh, you're dead. Oh, was it like a game show? Well, it was like a game show in a VR world where you wore a headset. And but it was like a, it was a VR headset where the person wearing the headset couldn't see. Is that a fair description, Henry? Yeah. So <laughs> the technology wasn't there yet for the VR headset. So basically, the kid who was in Nightmare just had to wear a helmet where they couldn't see anything because essentially they were in green screen rooms. Right. So the kid was just in a big green box. So complete opposite to a VR headset. Yeah. <laughs> but on the screen, the kids guiding the kid, the the two sort of dungeoneers or whatever they were could see this incredible world of like swinging axes and um you always had to like pick up keys and vials of poison and scrolls and stuff and there'll be a jester so they'd go from room to room and they'd never get very far i think there is on youtube someone that completed nightmare (laughs) but um and then there was this guy called trigar right who uh was like the main guy to try and get you through nightmare and like if you spent too long in a room your head there was a picture of your head that started to decompose quite dramatically <laughs> i mean you've got two choices really haven't you you've got fun house or nightmare <laughs> and again i was busy cultivating a very dark side to my personality so, uh, what was the first single you remember buying henry Oh, I've got it right here. It's the Brits Megamix 1990. So this came out after the Brit Awards, and it's a mix of all the songs. And that was the first... I saved up for it, and uh, my stepdad went in and got it for me. (laughs) So you've got Double Trouble and the Rebel MC by Street Tough, A Guy Called Gerald by Voodoo Ray, S Espress, theme from S Espress, lovely. (laughs) Beatmasters, Hey DJ, I Can't Dance. I mean, it's brilliant. Is it vinyl? Vinyl, yeah, of course it's vinyl. So I'm listening to this. Like, talk me through it. How much of each song do I hear? Not much. So it goes, it goes, ba ba ba, double seven. You can't play bass. Ba 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 da ba 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 da ba. You can't play drums. And then it goes, and then it goes into S Express. And then it, you like, you I get like five seconds of each song. How have I never heard of this? You can't find it online. But it's oh, here in my lovely. house right now. Grooves in the heart. Can I kick it? You've got all of that. We should say, Henry is waving these in front of us on his webcam. So we're seeing all no, these. No, it's a visual uh, He's not fibbing. He's not pretending <laughs> to be more trendy than he was. He's got, he's got them all. One for Estelle. Oh, colour me bad. 
I want to sex you up. I love that song because you could legitimately, as an as an eight year old child, you could sing that to your heart's content, yeah. and no one could touch you. And get off by Prince. Most controversial record we had in our household in that collection was "Get Off by Prince." Yeah, these 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 did seem like, as a child, the filthiest songs you could ever possibly imagine. <laughs> Honorable mention for the stonk. Here you go. Oh. Oh, I love the song. <laughs> With the B-side, the smile song. Who sang that? Uh, Victoria Wood. Yes, there we are. But this is interesting, though, because like I had um, the song, um, but on cassette. So I'm wondering, because I'm a little bit younger than you, that I went for the more modern option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vinyl was very much definitely the thing. I, But again, because my brothers and sisters, so my, my sister Kate, started our little collection so we've got things like show me heaven by mariah mckay which is an absolute oh, I and love like we've got berlin song. which is the top gun theme and stuff those were my sisters but i've inherited all the records thank god <laughs> so yeah when it when you start getting when you start getting the novelty stuff that's me yeah <laughs> so because you've mentioned comic relief uh which red noses did you buy did you have the one with the hands, the furry one, the one that changed colour? I definitely had the hands, but do you remember the first Red Nose Day where it kind of caught us all off guard? We didn't know what it was. And I went into school with a homemade clay nose. I can still, it was dreadful. It wasn't like, with, with elastic and like, because nobody really knew what Red Nose Day was. But I definitely had the one no. with the hands. And I'm pretty sure we had the one with the hands on the front of our car for a while as well. Or for a while, I say, probably 15 years until it was faded white. <laughs> 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 I've got the furry video still. I realised I had that the other day where they did um, okay. a best comic leaf in a video and the cover was fur. I was very pleased to That's still have nice. that. Ah, yeah, but nice. I, I just always remember how disgusting they were, though, because you take them into school and they, they would get quite loose. So you always had to squeeze them in on themselves to tighten them up. But then if you wore them for too long, the condensation in there was just absolutely yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Very moist. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have a special magnet to check for aluminium cans? Yeah, I remember. I, I definitely had it. And I remember the Blue Peter appeal. They just had in the studio yeah. just this pile, massive pile of crushed aluminium cans <laughs> that grew each week. So they just yeah. had a, like, yeah. a shit ton of but you kids' found aluminium. you saving the world. You did. We had a world. can crusher in school. Do you remember that? And you could take your cans into school and individually crush oh. crush them down. Yeah, I definitely remember a day spent stomping on cans in a playground <laughs> where we were we were all putting our cans in a bin and then one day the head teacher just emptied the bin onto the yard and went stand on these and then we all just stomped on them. So I don't think we afforded the, the, the can crusher in our school. I think it was effectively child labour that flattened those cans. It was an absolute revelation when Woolworths bought in the smaller cans and you could yeah. go and get pick and mix and get the tiny cans of like... That I love that. Yeah. And Josh used to sh- he used to shrink crisp packets in the oven. Remember that? <gasps> yes. Yes. I had I had a friend who used to make badges out of them, so she'd shrink it and then put like a pin on the back, and yeah, awful. I remember doing that. <laughs> now I presume that you whatever crisp packets are made from now you can't do that anymore because I haven't seen someone do that in years. 
wouldn't have thought. I so. think just entertainment has come forward in. in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll still do it. It's just there's something better on TV. Gareth's already <laughs> thinking, what crisps do I have in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, well, what what material will? Sh- yeah, they did. Uh, there was a lot of put your crisp packet in the oven and see if it. Sh- I think that's only got to go wrong once, and then Blue Peter will stop back in that. Yeah, talking about child labour though, when it came to environmental stuff in the eighties, um, I mean it was. <laughs> It was all over because the um, there's a there's an island in North Wales um, in in English it's called Puffin Island, but in the eighties there were basically no puffins left. So what they did was they got a bunch of us in a West Wales school to paint models of puffins to put on the island <laughs> to attract them back. <laughs> and did, did it work? It work. I don't know. I don't know how to find out. <laughs> Just go there and see if there's any yeah. puffins right. there. Right, yeah, just turn it up like this. <laughs> a weather-beaten models of tired-looking puffins. <laughs> do you remember where you were when Diana died? I do, obviously. Oh, obviously. <laughs> so this is how I remember it. I think we'd... We'd gone to Nuki. I used to, I say surf, I used to bodyboard, which is like a very shit version of surfing, um, but much more accessible. So yeah. a much lower entry point. Um, and me and my mates, we'd driven to Nuki the night before and we'd gone to this nightclub called Tall Trees, which was phenomenal. It had seven floors. I mean, that oh. is just, yeah, I mean, you can imagine. So, uh, <laughs> We'd, we'd driven there and then we knew the surf was going to be better on the south coast the next day so we slept in the car and we woke up like super early and drove home we put the radio on and it was just like really like radio one was just like we we're like what the fuck is going on yeah and and then obviously we got the announcement so we were just driving an hour home from Nuki to the south coast listening to this um and i remember getting in i must have got in about six in the morning or something like that and i remember my parents coming downstairs and me just having the telly on and sort of telling them that diana died and mm. um so that's how i remember. And i remember it being a lovely day it was a really sunny day wasn't it yeah it was yeah and i probably just went surfing then or bodyboarding <laughs> let's let's be honest <laughs> but do you know that summer listen to this right but that summer, so May the 1st, right, Labour get into power. Mm-hmm. May the 2nd, Katrina and the Waves win Eurovision, right? <laughs> then, not not long after that, Evander Holyfield gets his ear bitten off by Mike Tyson. Oh, wow. is that the same I... year? Then, same oh year, God. same year. It's a three-month period from May to August, <laughs> right? Then, Gianna Versace gets murdered. <gasps> then, oh. then Diana dies. I mean, yeah. what, what a summer. <laughs> you don't get summers like that anymore. Because the same week that Diana died as well, Mother Teresa died. Yes. And I know where I was when Mother Teresa died because I was watching the news that Diana died. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's the fact that it was it was wall-to-wall Diana and then yeah. it got to Wednesday and they went, some other people have died <laughs> and they had to just rattle through. Yeah. Every- yeah, it was. That is quite a big summer. Yeah. Um. Well, you mentioned bodyboarding there and you grew up in Cornwall. So I, I want to ask, to what extent did Baywatch influence life in the area in the 1990s? I mean, 
depends which area you're talking about. If you're talking about my my immediate area, yeah, heavily, it, it, yeah, it heavily. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts about the '90s. I love them, but I'm also a massive '90s apologist. And like, is that the right term? I mean, I think they're awful. I think they are <laughs> so bad. Like. To be a teenager in the 90s, a teenage boy in the 90s, I had to basically mm. relearn how to be a male yeah. after coming out of the 90s. I mean, I loved Baywatch. Loved it. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's great. It's but, such a great program. But I imagine it did an awful lot of damage to the way that... Uh, how do I say this without getting cancelled? Uh, <laughs> I think we were taught all wrong about as a boy about w- women in the nineties. Yeah. And I think, so you either put them on a massive pedestal or you didn't respect them at all. Mm. And neither of those is good. You know, <laughs> both for objectification, like women are from Venus or whatever it's called, but mm. it was like, it did feel like they were a different species that I didn't know how to interact with. And I had to learn after yeah. the 90s because it was so damaging. Yeah, because I think on the on the other side as well, for, for us women, um, it was this idea, because I, I think we've spoken before about this idea of having careers and, and having kids because I, I always remember getting the feeling like we were being taught in the 90s, yeah, you know, as a woman now, you, you can have a career, but you'll have to have children eventually and it was similar with with the stuff with Baywatch like we we could be empowered we could be really strong and really fit um and we could save people's lives but we had to look hot doing it <laughs> like it was constantly you had to offset one with the other constantly and it was a very confusing time <laughs> we weren't uh, just thinking back to it we weren't really allowed to watch Baywatch as a kid it was Why just not? no so I've never watched an episode of Baywatch in my life and I don't think that I, this wasn't like my parents because I don't think my parents went like Baywatch is banned in this house. They didn't, they, you know, like there was never anything like that. It was just the sort of thing that my parents would be like, "Oh no, 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 don't watch that." But this, but, but this explains why you're such a good boy and Henry's an absolute <laughs> retrograde. I think we were just. It was one of those things that we were sort of slightly just like discouraged from watching it's like oh no no no, don't watch that it was that sort of thing because my parents were very much guided by the times that programs went out so if it was before the watershed my parents would think it was fine and because it was on on like a saturday afternoon you'd be like well how bad could it be really we could we could have watched that i'm sure (laughs) i don't know and straight into gladiators as well i was an absolute mess yes Yes. Yeah. Thing is, I think we were a BBC house. Is what it comes down to. We were we were Noel's house party and the Generation Game through and through. Well, um, the issue I had, we were a BBC house, but the issue I had, I was the fourth one to come along. So by the time I came along, I actually inherited the old Fidelity TV. So I had a Fidelity TV in my room that like uh, flashed from black and white to colour for the first ten minutes when you turned it on. <laughs> but, like, so I could go up and basically just fill my boots on ITV. See, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking about it. We were a very BBC household. Mm. And when I got a TV in my room, it 
fundamentally it didn't work. Uh, the, if, if I really put the aerial very, very, very high up, I might get a bad picture of BBC Two. So it meant that if I did get to watch anything, it was probably an opera. Yeah. So, uh, again, maybe that was engineered by my parents without me being aware of it. Yeah. And this was all part of a, a larger anti-Baywatch agenda. I don't well, know. What's funny about Baywatch, though, is they did try and tackle like some of the issues of the day. So they, they did, feel, I think they felt like they had a moral obligation at the time to talk about different issues that came up, but they did it so badly. I will give, I will give you an example, right? So there's one episode where one of the, um, one of the female lifeguards saves a person's life and they find out that he has AIDS. And her boyfriend goes absolutely nuts at her that she had given him mouth to mouth and how dangerous that would be. right. This all sounds great, like a great platform then to build on it and to educate people that actually it, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that. Um, but the conclusion to that episode was that then her boyfriend developed this um, this plastic mouthpiece that you could use to give mouth-to-mouth to people with AIDS so you wouldn't catch it. <laughs> and that was the end. So the moral was wrong, fundamentally. They just... Yeah. That's terrible. It was awful. Awful. Yeah. I can only remember one storyline from Baywatch. And I mean, it says a lot, but um, (laughs) where someone, I think it might have even been Mitch, but someone drowned in a puddle or almost drowned in a puddle. And the reason I can remember it is because basically that just became a thing that was, yeah, yeah, you can drown in a puddle, you know. If you're you're unconscious and your mouth's in a puddle, you're drowning in a puddle. And like, that just became a thing that was said all the time. Um, <laughs> do you not remember that one? I think it was no, Mitch was face down that. in the puddle. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, did you did you any of your friends have like Saturday jobs as lifeguards or summer jobs as lifeguards? Though? I didn't have lifeguard. I was I, I had loads of jobs. I mean, I was paperboy first of all, first of all, and then I was like dishwasher. So mm. all the local pubs and hotels never met a nice landlord never like, <laughs> it, i was making crab sandwiches and like all sorts in all the pubs and that was yeah i i had to save up all the all the money for my bodyboards so. <laughs> and your phone calls <laughs> and my phone calls i remember buying i remember buying a bodyboard that um so on the bottom is the what was called the slip skin and it had a a very busty scantily clad woman on the bottom of the bodyboard and i can remember thinking the girls are gonna love love this (laughs) they're gonna go wild for me and my sexy bodyboard yeah that's what girls like (laughs) wow (laughs) what did you what did you do for the millennium so i went to manic millennium on the millennium you uh, did. Oh, I yeah. was there as well. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Very. What a lineup. Let me see. What did Embrace play? Oh, I mean, oh, I Feeder remember. definitely paid. Feed. I saw Feeder so many times around that period. Like every <laughs> student ball, every like every gig with Feeder were on the bill. Um, I'm pretty sure Embrace were there. Coming from Cornwall, the Eclipse was a bigger deal than the Millennium. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay. Yeah, that would have been huge. Did you? Did you? Well, were, were you making a lot of crab sandwiches that summer for all the tourists <laughs> I, who descended? I, I was actually that summer. I was 
cycling to Plymouth to a place called Chelsea Meadow, which was the rubbish dump, because my stepdad had handily got me a job at the, the rubbish dump, which was one of the not one of the worst summers of my life. But here's a list of some <laughs> of the things they made me do. They made me climb into a skip of old plastic milk bottles and sort into two different types of plastic. And so it stank of rancid milk. And when I got down to the bottom, there was basically just like this curd with maggots in it. And I'd just oh, been standing in it. Oh, my God. And then I had to lift fridges onto a skip as all like the coolant leaked onto me. That was another good day. And then there was another day where they handed me a broom. I was basically a student help over summer because I'd come back from uni. And they handed me a broom and said, we've got an inspection clean up the rubbish dump <laughs> so I was basically just sweeping like sweeping a rubbish dump and yeah it was wow. quite a summer but also in that job the best days were where they put me on the green waste where it was just a big old pile of compost green garden waste and I just had to point the cars in so I just literally sit in the sun listening to my personal stereo remember you could get little sets of speakers for your personal stereos yeah yeah I love those yeah and yeah I'd just sit there all day but I'd have to cycle all the way into Plymouth so go across a little ferry cycle and I remember I was working on the day of the eclipse so I was in the garden watched the eclipse and then went to work does that make Because the eclipse happened, I remember happening about midday, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was definitely in the yeah. middle of the... We were um, driving to Machantleth on holiday to stay in a caravan Ooh. near Machantleth. And I remember the two weeks beforehand, the big campaign of don't look at the sun. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. being the big thing, it was like, don't look at the sun. Buy your glasses, which were basically like almost completely jet black pieces of plastic that you were meant to look through um reflect it in a bucket of water there was all this sort of stuff there were yeah. all these things and i remember we would drive to mckentleff as it started and i just remember watching loads of people on pavements just staring straight at the sun <laughs> while it was happening going like, oh not a word of this has cut through to people people were just glaring at the sun it was weird though i remember because you'd have got it properly in cornwall it would have completely obscured yeah. the sun yeah but I remember birds being confused and all that sort of stuff. It yeah, quite I remember exciting. the birds all starting starting to sing. But um, do you remember? So Josh bought, him and his mates invested in a box of glasses, thinking they were going to make their millions, right? <laughs> that's that's and then, canny. And then literally the day after on the news, they were like, the glasses don't work. Don't use the glasses. <laughs> Just use a, a dot a pinprick in a piece of paper yes. and like shine yeah. it on so they just bought these glasses that had literally made national news the next day that the glasses won't work <laughs> and, uh, oh that is unfortunate pinprick in a piece of paper i'd forgotten about that one that always struck me as a very disappointing way to see an eclipse yeah, yeah a terrible way to see an eclipse but um because you can create that with a torch, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't really yeah. need an eclipse for that. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could put a pinprick in a piece of paper now and pass, <laughs> do it, and pass something. Yeah, like do it there. We can do it now. <laughs> if I picture Henry Wincombe just in isolation, I picture Henry Wincombe on a festival site. I've realised that I think I have spoken to you more on the grounds of various festival sites than in any other location. I I just picture you 
in situ in a festival. Were you a big festival goer in the 90s and 2000s? No, not particularly. But I think I think the reason that the festivals that I've built are the way they are is because of the festivals I was going to. So I wasn't going to right. your Glastonbury's, your Reading's, your Leeds. I did go to Reading, but... So I was going to, so when I was very, very young, there was a festival called Elephant Fair uh, near where I grew up, which was essentially like the hippie dream of of festivals. And then (laughs) I think one year the Hells Angels turned up and it all went to shit. And like, but it's this, it's this um, sort of utopian festival uh, in the early 80s called Elephant Fair that then became Port Elliot Literature Festival. There was a festival on Rain Peninsula where I grew up called the Baker and Rain Sunshine Festival, which again was just like very lo-fi, very like just a bunch of good people trying to put something together. And and the other one I was going to was surf festivals. There was one in, but, uh, called Surf to Save, which was just a bunch of kids getting absolutely smashed for a surf competition <laughs> on the North Coast. It was just carnage. And yeah. so I wouldn't say I was going to festivals in the way that we think about them now, mm. but I was definitely going to a lot of the homespun ones. I remember seeing Ian Cognito at the Maker and Rain Sunshine Festival when I was probably 18 or 19. And it was my first real introduction to what stand-up comedy could be of like right. seeing this this absolutely like insane guy on stage. Yeah. He, it was when he was sort of painting his face and then it would all drip off with the sweat and his, his mask <laughs> would sort of... It was quite... Like, and you only get to see that kind of thing. Well, you do get to see it at other festivals, but it's not like I, I I always like the ones that were rough around the edges, you know, and yeah, that's probably comes across in the kind of stuff that I've done. So, even back then, you'd have comedy elements then to these festivals because for me, like, the idea of having comedy as festivals seems like quite a recent thing, but maybe that's just because I wasn't really tapped into it until quite recently. Uh, at Maker at Ray, at Maker and Rain, yeah, there was definitely they definitely had comedy on. But again, like this is a tiny local festival on a mm. on a sort of headland, and uh, it was just done by some great people in in my community each year. I don't know, and I think the same with Elephant Fair. Like I've talked to, not to name drop, but I've talked to Stuart Lee about it because he went to Elephant Fair, and he okay. says like he says Mac is very similar in vibe of like he says like it's like the festivals used to get in the 80s where it's just good people trying to do good things rather than going how can we rinse a load of money out of young people (laughs) you know and so yeah I think I was going to very genuine because even even in the 90s Glastonbury was putting up the big fence and working out how it could survive Mm. financially which Mm. Like you have to do, but it's also kind of the death knell of to a lot of those sort of that we're doing it for the love of it turns yeah. into we're doing it to make some money, you know. And so, so from a music point of view, then um, is that what you think makes a good festival that it, it is accessible and that it it kind of develops organically rather than it being driven by this commercial element? It depends how much you want to talk shop, but <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> I think. The best festivals are driven by people that have started them with a passion and a vision and it'll be quite a singular vision. Often the best festivals aren't those that are going, we're going to offer something for everyone and like 
but those that go, this is going to be the best version of this quite bespoke area of, and it's driven by a personality. And like, I do sort of think that the best festivals are cult of personality. Like if you look at like, um, away game and stuff in on the Isle of Egg, which is just Johnny Lynch's mad festival where you have to go over to egg and like it, like they are, the best festivals are an embodiment of the values of a person or a group of people. Um, and then when it becomes like Reading or Leeds or even Glastonbury, where you're going, well, we are catering to the mainstream. We're taking catering to the masses. Mm. That's what, often when it loses any sense of character or direction. There's still amazing things, but I think there's real strength in going, this festival isn't for everyone. This fest is for, festival is for these people that really love this thing. Mm. Um, and that's not to be exclusive or snobbish. It's to go, this festival is about this very specific type of art. And mm. um, and I think that's interesting in comedy is like, people don't view comedy in the same way they view music in that like, you would only go to a jazz festival if you love jazz. If you hate jazz, you're not going to go. Yeah. But people don't view... <laughs> people don't view comedy in like there is a jazz form of comedy. There is a pop form of comedy. There is a blues form of comedy and there mm. really is, you know? And so I think, I mean, Mahunkleth is less alternative than when it started out, but it is still very much an alternative comedy festival. And mm. I mean, alternative is overused as a word in comedy now anyway, but in the most traditional sense, it is trying to be a place for voices that where it can take longer for an industry to notice them or to shape around them. And it's about going, no, you have something. You, We believe in you, even if it's going to take 10 more years than normal for the industry to believe in you. And mm. you can look at numerous examples in comedy of people that were fail made to feel alienated by the industry and then suddenly the industry shaped around them and suddenly they're getting TV and suddenly they're getting... And if you're not, alternative often that process is much quicker so alternative voices can feel very alienated and left behind by that and so i always see it that mahankla has a duty given that when i did comedy i was from that those were the feelings i was i was having i felt good at what i was doing but i didn't necessarily feel accepted as some of my peers and so mahankla has a duty to go no you what you are doing has value it has value here and it will have value elsewhere it just takes a while <laughs> <laughs> um when it comes to a festival are you a packed lunch guy or you are uh eat at one of the stalls guy eat at one of the stalls like don't waste your time like if you go if you pay to go to a festival like what are you doing like don't don't i i think you shouldn't compromise on enjoyment i'm always like if i'm doing something because it's for enjoyment and that's this is a this is a position of privilege of like mm. uh, like you have to have money to do it but like i would rather spend my money if i can spend my money on these bits of enjoyment so if i go to a country where 
the exchange rate is terrible, which is essentially a festival, right? The festival is a country <laughs> where the exchange rate is terrible. Um, That's such a good way of thinking about it, like a city-state uh, with a bad exchange rate. Yeah. <laughs> you ju- it's so much better to just accept that that weekend, obviously you've got to be able to do it, but just accept that that weekend you are going to get rinsed. Yeah. Rather than Because even the, the, there's a middle ground where you go and you use the stalls, but you don't accept it so you're using the stalls but you're angry so yeah that's even worse than packed lunch so <laughs> the, the, the 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 best way to be is to just go i'm gonna lose shitloads this weekend but i'm gonna enjoy that pie i'm gonna enjoy that pad thai or whatever and like I love the idea. i'm gonna lose this i'm is- gonna lose my paid for glass seven times and i'm gonna spend 14 quid on a plastic glass and like so, yeah. Is this your new strap line for the is, is Just accept you're going to get rinsed, mate. <laughs> Before we move on, I do want to ask you about the Penarth Sounds radio show, because talking about the music festival experience and then what you play on your um, on your radio show, what is the vibe you're trying to create on your radio show? And is there an element of the stuff you saw at festivals? Is there an element of radio shows you listened to as a kid? What's What's the guiding light behind your behind your radio show? Well, the the guiding light is that I think that I mean I used to hate Joe Wiley for she always used to say like I love new music I love like and you'd be like oh, come on mate like there's so <laughs> but actually she's right which is so annoying right because <laughs> because. We so many people are guilty, including me, of going, getting stuck in a genre, which uh, stuck in an era, which tends to be your formative years and sort of your twenties, and then you just you say there's no good music, but actually it's because you're not seeking it out and you're not looking for it. So, in reality, there's amazing music happening at all times. So I think with Records Retrieval Service, although I do sometimes go back and sometimes quite heavily I go back and do a whole show going back but in reality it's about new stuff I've heard like whether that's new to me in that I've only just found it or whether it's new new but the majority of stuff I'm playing is new music and half of the reason for that was to get me out of my malaise of I listen to the same old stuff all the time and it's been amazing for me to just be constantly looking out for what I like that's new um but also i just love i've always loved discovery and i'm a bit of a dickhead when it comes to (laughs) music and like ownership like it's not mine it can't be mine but i do feel like it's mine so if i've discovered something early i'll be like yeah that's mine and then i won't want them to be big i won't want them to have success and it's like no that's what they want they want success Mm. they don't just want to be (laughs) your your thing let them go you know but like I think Wet Leg were a great example of that and that Wet Leg like boomed and like that, it doesn't feel like a betrayal, but it's like, oh fuck my, like my <laughs> father-in-law likes Wet Leg or like. <laughs> what would you like to put into the Daniel Dome that will become so popular that it will be ruined for you forevermore? <laughs> Well, 
luckily, I don't think it will because I think it's quite unique uh, what I'm going to put in. I did think about, and I noticed, Gareth, so I've got a complete Euro 92 Sweden. That's complete. Oh, that's, wow. What is, uh, that's the sticker book. That's, that's the, the sticker book, but check this out. What's that? What's that, you Lift say? Lift that up an inch more. So. <gasps> oh, that's the coins. Complete. Oh, my God. The Every World Cup coins. coins. Yeah, it, Italia 90, SO World Cup coin connection, complete. <gasps> wow. How did you oh, manage have... that? <laughs> well, I, we really went for it back in the day. I can remember going. A lot going. of petrol. A lot yeah. of petrol. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, incomplete. And I was going to put this in because this is the Orbis World Cup 91, which came in magazine parts. And really, like, it's the pinnacle of rinsing kids' pocket money because it was <laughs> so vast. Like, it's a binder full of... I mean, like, that's huge. It's huge. And it just, like, it overtook everything. And it was almost incompletable. And we must have all spent so much money. But I'm not putting any of those in. I'm, in fact, going back to... Um, so this is something I think we've really forgotten about because of mobile phones and because we do remember like 1471 and chatting on mm. phone calls and stuff. But this is how we used to text, right? I found a box of my old letters, school letters from basically from girls. So the girls have got my ones, but letters from girls oh to me. Oh my God. And you <laughs> listen to the lang listen to the language, right? <laughs> Okay, hang on. Let's get some context here. So, are you dating these girls, or is it just like flirting? I have. I've got one dating. I've got two okay. from friends. Okay. Go on. I mean, Please. I cannot wait to hear these. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast with an important message. <laughs> so that sound a bit needs to be a war. No. Do it. <laughs> no, okay, okay. This is Gareth and Essett. We've got to interrupt this episode very quickly because Henry's about to tell us a story in which he uses some names <laughs> and we uh, think it might be a good idea to not use the real person's name. I mean, I was all for using the real person's names, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's err on the side of caution. <laughs> in, in an attempt to protect the innocent and confuse the enemy, <laughs> um, what we're going to do is just switch a couple of names. So if you hear a little voiceover come in, that's what's going on. Because what's about to happen is really, really <laughs> So back to the interview. Go on. I mean, I cannot wait to hear this. <laughs> to Henry... I swear I didn't slag you off. Nobody else heard me say that. Steve. Asked me to get off of you, but I said no and laughed. I laughed because I could not imagine us getting off of each other because we are two good friends, brackets, I think. I don't fancy you either. So I reckon it would be tight getting off of you. Please get your facts right. Love Jenny. <laughs> oh my God, I can feel the teenage anxiety building. <laughs> Sorry, how old are you here? Probably 14, I think. Right. Okay. Did you like her? I liked every girl. I, I literally You would have gotten off with girl. her, right? Yeah, you would have stopped yeah. her. There, there's a letter here where it says, there's, a le there's one here that says like, do you fancy Suzanne or Claire or do you still fancy? Like, it's just a list of girls that I've said I fancy. Like, I just... <laughs> So, I'll be honest, I'm finding this quite stressful. It is just stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
this is a, this is an excerpt from the next one to Henry. Hi, how's you? I'm okay, or as you put it, I'm on top of the world. I, mean, oh, I, can, I, like I cannot. I like that you've clearly got a, a, a je ne sais quoi about you that has now been recorded. Yeah. Yeah. And then it says, "Yes, I did have a rather good time on Saturday night." Don't take the piss out of Dave. It's really tight. You wouldn't like it if a girl tossed you off and everyone took the piss out of you. <laughs> For the listeners, Gavin has taken his glasses off. <laughs> so a double letter. So this was a thing where you'd get this they double letter. Where they'd be, yeah. yeah. How are you, dear? It's Jenny at the moment, and I'm in English, sitting next to a door to um uh Sally. Do you fancy her? Well, here she is for a few words. Hi. It's like a transcript of a war correspondent. Throw over. Hi. Do you fancy Lucy? Still, Jenny. Fancies Bob. Nah, I'm only joking. She doesn't really. So, what have you been doing with yourself lately? I mean, what have you been up to? We are in English at the moment. Pretty crap, really. We're learning about bloody Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Do you like... Mikey. I hate him. A load of fifth years are going to beat him up soon, thank God. I've only got 19 days of grounding left. Time to change my writing. Here's... Jenny. Back returned from the dead. I'm back. So would you ever consider going out with... Sally. She bloody fancies you, actually. She drives me up the wall talking about you picture attack over the page and then they've drawn some pictures in the picture attack <laughs> well i mean so many questions um oh <laughs> so God. how many of these letters oh, have got, you got because this this sounds like you've got i've got loads and i think oh what God. it said what does it say about me that i've had this box this shoe box of school letters no i love that i love it i love it because your life at that time, that snapshot of your, your teenage years, is very similar to mine. I was obsessed with boys. I, I went out with nearly every boy in my class at some point between 1992 and 1999. I just loved it. I loved the drama. I loved falling in love with people. I loved falling out of love with people. Like, I, I just loved all of it. But it was, like, listening to that, though, it is so, like, anxiety-driven. <laughs> like, just this those voices and stuff I can relate to them so much and then you would flip from one thing to the other one minute you love someone so much and you're obsessed with them and then you're talking about you know some dickhead guys who are just gonna beat someone else up and I I just I love it and I love that you've got letters because I don't have letters I just have my my memory (laughs) the language the language the way that they use language like you say like you forget how teens yeah use language like when i was reading them this morning i was just like i I completely forgotten that this is how we communicated and i i loved it you you should publish them you know like was it was it hemingway who when when hemingway wrote a letter to somebody in french class (laughs) (laughs) i think it's hemingway and george o'keefe like there's a series of letters that have been published you should publish them People our age would read those and would reminisce over our own. What a choice. <laughs> and then I, I feel like we maybe touched on this with Baywatch. Was there anything, any trend you regret embracing? In, in, don't, uh... hang on, that's a leading question. Don't make him regret <laughs> Baywatch. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't regret it because I think I was led very, like, I I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud, but I, I, I had subscriptions to 
like lads magazines and things like that like i think most most well not most but a lot of boys did i dated most of them (laughs) (laughs) paul anderson or yasmin bleef oh yasmin bleef every time she was Uh, something else (laughs) Let him reminisce, Scarlett. God, Yasmin, please. <laughs> she she was a game changer, though, wasn't she, for Baywatch? She was Do you think, Yasmin, please? She came late. Yeah. I think so, because Pamela was like the poster girl. But then when Yasmin Bleeth came on the scene, it was a bit like, oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Brown hair. Yeah. The other type of woman. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Oasis or Blur? Well... Blur, I guess. But it depends on the year. Uh, grunge or hip-hop? Grunge. Nintendo or Sega? Nintendo. Still to this day. Radio Times... Really? <laughs> Radio Times or TV Times? Radio Times. Neighbours or Home and Away? Neighbour. It's really tough. It's always Neighbours, right? But I actually think I did like Home and Away better. Or maybe I just really? fancied more people in home and away home and away was full of fear yeah i think neighbors neighbors okay six music or pen off sounds oh pen off sound six music has been off the ball for years <laughs> uh wales or cornwall ah oh, cornwall <laughs> and finally jarvis cocker at the brit awards or julian cleary at the british comedy awards oh cocker come on Iconic. <laughs> oh, thank can you very on. much. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Henry Ridcombe. Um, How can people find out what you're up to? What's keeping you busy? Where can people find you? Uh, just, yeah, Twitter, I guess. At Henry Ridcombe. But, um, yeah, try not to follow. Just follow Pinoff. Uh, no, it's not even Pinoff Sounds. It's Records Retrieval Service. That's the bad boy. Uh, got, <laughs> That's the one. It's got 30 <laughs> listeners. Want to get that up to 50. And, uh, yeah. We can do that. Yeah. We can do, we that, can do that. That's the power yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. Records Retrieval Service on Pinoff Sounds. Search for that um, and check it out. Henry Ridcombe, thank you very much. That was Henry Widdicombe. Thank you so much to Henry for coming on the podcast and um, sharing not just his memories, but that box of letters. Yeah, I think that will have dredged up a lot of feelings and memories for many of our listeners. It's a fantastic thing. If you've got anything like that, um, I tell you what, if it, yeah, send it to us. Oh, I'd love that. Because, um, and we'll remove any names in a, in a manner similar to what we did with <laughs> yeah. that one. We could put an anthology together. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be uh, amazing. So you can get in touch um, on thezenialdome at hotmail.com or you can tweet us at thezenialdome or Instagram at zenialdome. So Jess Phillips mentioned that she can spot generations by whether they sent her a letter and whether they have their address <laughs> on a little gold sticker. And she said that's a very boomer thing. Mm. I think she even said it was pre-boomer. No, we've got a Zenial <laughs> who's got them. Um, Sharif's been in touch. He and his wife had gold address stickers printed when they bought their house. Partly as a kitsch thing, partly because it was locked in my mind as a thing you did when you were planning to be somewhere long enough. Which I really <laughs> liked. Like, yeah, we've got <laughs> we've sorted the mortgage. We've got everything out. Yeah, let's get the stickers. 
<laughs> oh, that's really sweet, though. That he and and maybe that he thought that that's what being an adult is as well. I but, think, yeah, yeah, I think know. that's it. So every Christmas card oh. had one of those stickers, uh, and it was the most efficient way of getting an address out. So, <laughs> there, so there we are. I'm really pleased that we've that, that we managed to hang on to that. It's the yeah. modern age. And what else we had? There was a conversation about. Bond going on on Twitter, wasn't there? So, yeah, so there was a conversation that had started without us on Twitter. <laughs> um, I think it was um, the actor Luke Evans's birthday, and someone responded to it saying something like, um, that he's why hasn't he ever been in contention for Bond? Um, great actor, good looking guy. Welsh, but and someone mentioned, oh, is it because he's a Zenial that maybe he falls in between two stools and like Zenials are never in contention for Bond? And I think I think they might be right because someone interjected then saying, well, wh- what about Idris Elba? He's always being, you know, named as as a potential Bond, but he's not a Zenial. He's he, too old. He's too old. He's seventy two. Yeah, to be a Zenial, but not too old to be Bond. Not too old to be. No, no. I think you can only rule out a Zenial being Bond. When the the age bracket has become too old to be Bond, right? So yeah. I think once we are all, I don't know what what age. Who's the because Sean Connery? I, right, I'm gonna start conversation. I know nothing about Bond. I know absolutely nothing about Bond. <laughs> what I would love, I think, about having a Zenial Bond is because we talk a lot about straddling the analog and digital. That he would have to solve certain things with. So maybe there'd be an analog issue, but he'd have to solve it with the digital. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. Um, he'd have to send a letter, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this, there could be a nice bridging. I think you need more than he has to send a letter. <laughs> but no, I think this is a good idea. I think the idea is, is that um, if anyone's listening who needs a Bond plot, right, here we go. So like MI6, is that the one he works for? Yes. So they're like all super technological, yeah. but they have to send him to a country where they still use Betamax. <laughs> Or still use cassettes and you can do the pencil thing. And and the plot is that yes. by being a Xenial Bond, yeah. he can track down spies using poorly secured Facebook pages. Yeah. He can um yeah, use he he knows how to sort of jimmy anything <laughs> <laughs> in a very an, analogue manner. I bet you someone in the Kremlin is using Betamax. Oh someone is. Well, it's like the whole the Soviets <laughs> used a pencil in space thing. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. What is that? Oh, that's the thing where uh, it is obviously nonsense. Okay. But the story goes that America spent millions and millions and millions of dollars developing the space pen, the pen that works upside down and doesn't work in in zero gravity. Yeah. I used to use it in the bath. And these things, they cost a fortune and uh, the Soviets used a pencil. That's the joke. That's That's really funny. Yeah. Okay. So basically we're making a film of that Slightly bad joke <laughs> with a Xenial star, Luke Evans. Yeah, is Phoebe Waller Bridge a Xenial? I'm gonna say no, but I will check. Oh, 85. She's oh, there just we are. In it. So, we've had a film, so we have had a Bond film written by a Xenial. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna check that to see if he that's really interesting. Uses, um, I don't know, mini discs or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, and if you are listening to this episode because you want to get into the mind of Henry Widdicombe, the man behind Machantleth, uh, then you might be interested to know that Essilt and I are both going to be at the Machantleth Comedy Festival with a Zenial Dome live show. So excited about this. Um, our special guest is going to be Ria Lina. 
who's also performing her show up in Machanlleth. Um And if the last live show was anything to go by, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Yeah, you can listen, actually, to the last show because on this podcast feed you'll hear Sunil Patel's episode. That was the one we recorded last year. We're going to do it again. I need to remember to bring my Super Nintendo. I need to bring write it. that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, come up, come to the show, say hello. Oh, also, we're doing our own solo shows, aren't we? Yeah, mine sold out though. So I'm not mine has on. not sold out at the time of recording. Um, I'm on incredibly early in the day. So but people will be about. They'll yeah, be yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to see who's about that early in the day. Um, yeah, come along um, to all these things. It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. It's fantastic. So um, we shall see you either at Machankov Comedy Festival or on the podcast next week. See you then. Lovely. Bye bye. 